Are you seeing the cultural changes, especially with respect to sex and sexual identity, and some days feel like the world is simply spinning out of control? At times, do you pine for the good old days? Well, when I read Carl Truman, he said, maybe it's time we stop whining and start understanding. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. The last couple of weeks, I have been thoroughly engaged with two books. The first is Irreversible Damage. Its subtitle is The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. Absolutely fantastic. The second is The Rise and Fall of the Modern Self by Grove City College professor Dr. Carl Truman. Now, both authors are examining elements of the sexual revolution that's gripped our country for the last 60 years. And while the authors take up a similar cause, they approach it from different angles. Schreier, she provides a detailed and fascinating look at the craze of transgenderism in the West, particularly the U.S. Truman, he helps us to see the rise of the sexual revolution as a symptom, not the cause, of the human search for identity. Now, I'm probably going to be going back and forth between these two books, so I hope you'll join me for what I think is going to be a fascinating walk through some fascinating pages. And I highly recommend both of these works. I want to start with The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. Now, the subtitle of this outstanding work is Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. And Carl Truman is going to take us on a bit of a philosophical journey in order to understand the roots of what we're experiencing today with respect to the sexual revolution. Let me read you what he says. At the heart of this book lies a basic conviction, the so-called sexual revolution of the last 60 years culminating in its latest triumph, the normalization of transgenderism, cannot be properly understood until it is set within the context of a much broader transformation in how society understands the nature of human selfhood. Now, one thing I appreciate about Truman, and there is so much to appreciate, is that he defines his terms. Here are two that he addresses. The first one is the sexual revolution. Now, no surprise that what he's referring to is the radical transformation occurring in the West since the 1960s. Think Woodstock. What he points out is how society has normalized sex outside of marriage. When I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, I found some Playboy magazines in my dad's closet, hidden in a box on a top shelf. Now, I'm asking myself these days, why in a closet, why in a box, and why on the top shelf? Well, because there was a sense of taboo when it came to those things in those days. If you went to the store, those magazines were going to be wrapped in plastic. Not today. As Truman notes, quote, The use of pornography no longer carries the connotations of shame and social stigma it once did and has even come to be regarded as a part of mainstream culture. Close quote. Now what Truman is going to help us see is that what makes the sexual revolution the sexual revolution 
is not simply the growth of the industry. It's not more magazines. It's not the rise of pornography on the internet, as bad as those things are. It's really the expansion of the boundaries of what is and is not acceptable. Think homosexuality. Think transgenderism. Back in the 60s, even those were still relatively taboo. It also includes the abolition of the sexual codes. And as he points out, in some areas like homosexuality and transgenderism, the sexual revolution today actually requires the repudiation of traditional sexual mores. So that if you cling to the outdated ways of the past, then you, of the traditional moral crowd, you're the deviant. It's not that you have a different moral code. It's not that you work from a different ethic. No, you have the wrong code. You're homophobic. You have transphobia. You're a bigot. And in my mind, part of the rise of the sexual revolution has to do with the word phobia and the idea of what is a bigot. To disagree with me is to be a bigot. You have to agree with me or you are a bigot. You do have a phobia. And that is a mark of a sexual revolution taking place. Now, I said Truman is going to define two terms. The second term is the nature of the self. Hang with me, because this is not the easiest thing to grasp, but Truman is going to give a nod to the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor and his book, Sources of the Self, The Making of the Modern Identity. When Truman uses the word self, he's referring not so much to self-awareness, that I'm Tommy Kiedis and not George Washington, but rather how I understand myself in relation to others and the world around me. And as I read him, uh, particularly what I see him saying is, what is the authoritative means for determining who I am in relation to who you are? And what he's going to point out that I think is really important is that today society prioritizes an individual's inner psychology, their feelings, their intuitions, as that which validates who they are and what the purpose of one's life is. He writes this, Transgenderism provides an excellent example. People who think they are a woman trapped in a man's body are really making their inner psychological convictions absolutely decisive for who they are. And to the extent that, prior to coming out, they have publicly denied this inner reality, and to the extent that, prior to coming out, they have publicly denied this inner reality is to the extent that they have had an inauthentic existence. It's very significant. And then Truman speaks to those of us committed to strong religious views. And he says, be very careful or you're going to write all this off with the wave of a metaphysical wand, the Bible says, or the problem is sin. Or you're going to get so frustrated by the details of what's going on that you'll miss the proverbial forest for the trees. Or perhaps you'll be so caught up in the frustrations of the sexual revolution around you today that you'll fail to see the rise of the sexual revolution as the cause rather than a symptom of a bigger cause. And this is very significant. 
Truman is a member of the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. The guy's as conservative as the day is long, as Bible-believing as they come. So he's, he's not denying the sinful nature of what's going on, but he's emphasizing, folks, there is a bigger cultural element at play, and we have to understand it. He writes, No individual historical phenomenon is its own cause. The First World War did not cause the First World War. There were other factors at play. And in this book, what he's going to do is help us understand these other factors. And I want you to know, this is no breezy read. But neither is it a, a lament for the good old days. Listen to this. This book is not a lament for a lost golden age or even for the parlous state of culture as we now face it. Lamentation is popular in many conservative and Christian circles, and I have indulged in it a few times myself. No doubt the Ciceronian cry, O tempora, O mores, has its therapeutic appeal in a therapeutic time like ours, whether as a form of Pharisaic reassurance that we are not like others, such as those in the LGBTQ plus movement, or as a means of convincing ourselves that we have the special knowledge that allows us to stand above the petty enchantments and superficial pleasures of this present age. But in terms of positive action, lamentation offers little and delivers less. As for the notion of some lost golden age, it is truly very hard for any competent historian to be nostalgic. What past times were better than the present? an era before antibiotics when childbirth or even minor cuts might lead to septicemia and death? The great days of the 19th century when the church was culturally powerful and marriage was between one man and one woman for life, but little children worked in factories and swept chimneys? Perhaps the Great Depression, the Second World War, the era of Vietnam. Every age has had its darkness and its dangers. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but to understand its problems and respond appropriately to them. Did you catch that last part? Every age has its darkness and its dangers. Isn't that true? And then he says this, and this was my aha moment. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but to understand its problems and respond appropriately to them. One of the things I love about my role as the president of Lancaster Bible College and Capital Seminary and Graduate School is we get the opportunity to help teach students how to think and to think biblically with respect to what's going on in the world. Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not, not, not against flesh and blood. In other words, we're not against people who are against us. We're about understanding them, loving them, understanding our culture and the things that bring us to this cultural moment so that we can better take the gospel to our culture so our culture can find their true identity not in a gender or a house or a car or a person or a relationship, but in Christ. I love this. Let me give you the words of Truman one more time. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but to understand its problems 
and respond appropriately to them. And understanding them, as I'm learning reading Truman's book, is not always such an easy task. It takes hard work to look back at the philosophical underpinnings that are driving some of the thoughts right in front of us today. It's kind of like that old Tom Hanks movie, There's No Whining in Baseball. Well, there's no whining when it comes to the Christian life. The task of the Christian is not to whine, but to understand the problems of our culture and respond appropriately to them. And that's my thought on my walk with Carl Truman and the rise and triumph of the modern self. Cultural amnesia, expressive individualism, and the road to sexual revolution. Now my question is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? If you're looking for a starter, I'd suggest buying Truman's book. Not an easy read, but wow, is it good. You can find a link to Carl Truman's book as well as that of Abigail Schreier at onmywalk.com. I haven't yet put up the reviews of those books. I've been on the road, but you can expect those to come up on the website not too long from now, and that should provide a little additional help.